What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Today's episode of the show is brought to you by Einswick Dog Quip, who's our good friend Jason Furman. That's E-I-N-Z-W-E-C-K, Dog Quip. Jason's the importer of HF Mills, Herm Springer, and can pretty much get you anything dog-related that you need. All we've your got training stuff equipment. from Jason, haven't we? Yeah, we've got every, I got all my stuff from Jason. Mm, yeah, I've got plenty of stuff from Jason too. We use his slip leads here at work. Uh, yeah, I use his slip leads all the time. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yep. Jason can get you Bramerweb. He can even, um, they get the personalized logos, all that stuff. Oh, I've got one saying, so Randy. So Randy. Yeah. You know what we do at the PSA trials is we give away leashes instead of in, as prizes with your name and position and score and everything. That's right, in we do. Leash. Mm. Jason provides those. He does. He's such a good sponsor. <laughs> in line with being an all-round good guy and sponsor of the show, Einswick Dog Quip have provided us with one Durofone ball, one treat pouch, three tugs, and two-handled tug thing. I'll put up pictures of this. Mm. So anyway, that's a giveaway. And we've decided the way we're going to give that away is there's a bit of a process. You have to buy one of our T-shirts and the first person- Only one? Well, at least one. At least one. The first person who can send us a photo of them- with a celebrity, and we'll decide whether it's a celebrity or not, <laughs> yeah. is going to win all this cool dog training stuff from Einswick Dog Quip. So that's it. If you need any dog training equipment, talk to Jason at Einswick Dog Quip. Chances are he can get it for you. Good on, Jace. Thanks for supporting the show. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook. Yep, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. Yeah. Just us today. Just us again. Just us and the guy who's outside power washing those... Electrical poles. So yeah, if you can hear so that in the background, that's been driving us crazy for an hour waiting for it to stop, but it hasn't. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we've just got a myriad of background noises that pop up here from time to time. So people cutting trees down. And so uh, until we actually get our full time studio, which. Well, maybe we, with our Patreon money. Maybe we will. Before we get into what we're going to talk about, I just wanted to give a huge thank you to everybody that has signed up on Patreon. By the time you're listening to this, you probably have gotten your first Patreon-only content, and hopefully you enjoyed that. And yeah, we just learned how to work it, so yeah. we're, we've just been going through the back engine of it to have a look how to upload content, so Pat and I were fiddling around that before we actually sat down to record, and yeah, again, from both of us, that's an enormous effort, and we're so privileged to have people that really find value in what we're doing. Yeah, it's very heartwarming to know that there's people who can get this stuff for free anyway and are choosing to pay, which is really cool to, to have people support the show. And something we've been discussing as well is like, if we ended up with Lamborghinis, that would be awesome. But our intention is to <laughs> put all the money from Patreon that you guys are giving us, that's going to go back into the show. That We're not doing it to make money ourselves. No, it's, it's all going to be the production of we've the both show. Got, we've both got full-time jobs that we get paid for. So yeah, as mentioned- Speak for yourself. 
Well, <laughs> I don't have a full-time job that I get paid for. Well, you get paid for... I work for myself. Yeah, when you work, I work for yourself. When yeah. I work, I get paid. Yeah, that's true. One of the suggestions that somebody came up to me, which Pat and I were discussing, was if this kicks off for you, would you guys consider like doing travelling shows, like going to people's events and mm-hmm. um, doing podcasts at the events? Definitely. We're interested in any and all of the above. It's like most things. You never know where this sort of thing is going to take you and... So far, it's looking great. There's some really fantastic suggestions. The support we're getting from the community and the way people are getting behind everything is overwhelming. It's very heartfelt and it's very, very much appreciated that a little show that we were expecting a few people to get on board and have a few laughs at has really started to hit an international level. We're currently looking at 61 countries as we speak, downloading the show We've got people all over the world that are finding value in it and sending us messages and support and love. So without you guys, it wouldn't be anything. We want to continue to make it better. We're always open to suggestions. We want to keep it fun. We want to keep it something that entertains and also educates. So suggestions are always welcome. This is The People's Show. We're doing it for you guys and with you guys. That's why we want to talk to people. That's why we want to interview guests. That's why we want to keep it real. That's why we want to keep it raw. We don't want to make it sound too contrived or anything like that. It's really about having some good fun, but also feeding the soul a little bit with some education. Mm. And something I'm excited about as well with having that money come in is that maybe now we can look at some guests that perhaps we have to buy their time as well. Mm. So there's people who sue out, say maybe outside dog industry, behavioral people or whatever that you know, don't know us or anything, aren't friends of ours and we can't just invite them on and maybe we can buy their time and get them on the show. and Like um, Joe Rogan and Dr. Jordan <laughs> Peterson. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, exactly like them. Yes, them, exactly. But we're not quite at that. We're not getting that much money in yet. By the way, we haven't got anyone going for our T-shirt promotion deal with that we've done through Jason. We haven't got anyone getting a photo with Celebrity. Not yet. Not yet. Well, we had Joe send us a photo of a, him with a retired Major League Baseball player, but I didn't know. <laughs> I told him it didn't count. He's Joe who? Joe. Uh, Joe Menendez in, in the States. Maybe he sent that to me personally, not the page. No, site. I didn't see it. He sent a photo of him wearing the shirt with a- Nice he, try, Joe. He, he explained that <laughs> if you have to explain who the person is, then we don't know it him. doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't count. If you just send a, a photo of you thumbsing up and we go, holy shit, that's whoever- then, yeah. And if it's Joe Rogan, you win immediately. Immediately. Or Jordan Peterson, you yeah, win double. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, I'll send you another shirt, or we will send you another <laughs> shirt, a hat, and maybe even some sweat from, from Pat and some I. personal sweat. <laughs> okay, moving on. Glenn, you had something to say. Yes, I do. This week's podcast is going to be about social responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that comes from a few things. It comes from the fact that you and Jazz are now officially SR judges from yep. Jay's GRC. Yeah, that's right. Sport. So we did that at the IACP conference. Me and Jazz both did an online theory test mm. to begin apprenticing as judges. Yep. And that's pretty easy. I mean, you have the rule book there. You just there actually is a couple of questions. So you're not a GRC judge. You're an SR judge. Is that right? Yeah. So. What you do is for each component, there's the the social responsibility test, the ETAR, yep. and then there's the drive events. Mm. You do a, a test online to prove you know the rules, yep. and then you have to apprentice judge one trial mm. and then actually try, uh, actually judge under the guidance of a, another judge 
uh, a real trial. Yeah. So we were only able to do the SR test because that's where that's all we had available to us at the at the IACP. Although there was one spring pole event. Yep. Because a girl, Kristen Tedesco, got through the actual SR. Yep. And Jazz did that, so she's on her way to becoming. Uh, titled in all those other things and perhaps hopefully maybe while she's been in the States longer than me, maybe she's done some more yep. and maybe there'll be some, maybe we could do those kind of things via video, Skype, I don't know. But so, so me and Jazz are on the path to, to becoming GRC qualified, judges. qualified judges. But right now yep. we both are fully qualified, ready to test people in yep. the SR test, the social responsibility test. Which as I've said before, I think it's an absolute fantastic event that anybody can enter any yep. breed can enter. Yep. Jay has mainly focused around the bull type breeds. That's his. That's um, what he's into. Yeah, that's what he's into, and that's his breed or his dog of passion. Jay has a certain connection with pit bulls and staffies and amstaffs and and those type of dogs, which is absolutely fantastic, and which is why it's leading into a bit of the discussion about what I want to talk about today, mm-hmm. which is. The fact that, I mean, we, when we were over there and we were watching Amy Sadler talking about her work in, I think it's called Play for Life or something mm-hmm. like that, where she's going around to a lot of the rescues, the shelters that are over in the States, and she's stopping the fact that these dogs are all locked into cages and they're separated from each other. And what they're doing is they're educating people on how to better conduct a social life for these dogs so mm-hmm. they have a better chance of being rescued and they're not going crazy and it's reducing problems for the dogs, social aggression, not being able to interact with humans or other dogs and et cetera, et cetera. And it's actually having a massive positive impact on that. Yeah. So, so I think they're just kind of using play as an outlet yes. to unwind shelter dogs a fair bit and yeah. make them therefore more trainable, therefore more adoptable. That's right. The one thing that And one of the reasons why I wanted to have this frank discussion is because if you look at the videos that Amy Sadler put up, Mm -hmm. what's the majority of dogs? I'd say 99% bull breeds. Bull breeds. There's a reason for that. Sometimes it can be due to overbreeding practices. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're a very popular dog, overbreeding practices. But the reason why I wanted to have this, this discussion is... And it triggered from yesterday. I was on a bike ride with a couple of mates and we were at a location and I saw this lady come wailing into the property with a bull breed. And there was, this is a place where motorbike riders go, people traveling up and down the road go, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a very sociable place. There's people bring their dogs along and she came wailing in with this bull breed dog on a massive harness and a 10 foot lead. And this dog was just charging at other dogs and going crazy and nearly pulled her over a log. And her response was, oh, he gets really excited when he sees other dogs. Now, this sort of shit happens a lot. And it's not just bull breeds. I'm not, this is not a bull breed attack, okay? Because I'm very supportive of these dogs. I've done a lot of work with them in the past. I've got some brilliant friends out there. Well, I've spoken on, I've said on the show that my favorite breed of dog is You have. You have made that claim. And I'm not a person that discriminates against breed. We accept all types of dogs here at our kennels. There's dogs that other kennels won't take that we will take them in here. Mm -hmm. What we do say is that we need to be vigilant in how they play and behave here. And it needs to be supervised play. Yeah. Because bull breeds are like Polynesian kids. They're enormous. They're massive. They're like they're... Um, very, very well established, even as puppies, and they're powerful. Which is why I love them. Yeah. The robustness of the breed. But, I mean, you look at Polynesian kids in rugby compared to little 
Caucasian kids, when they go wailing down the field, you've got this 10-year-old Caucasian kid against a Polynesian kid, and it's like comparing an adult with a little child. I used to play rugby league when I was a kid, and yeah. there was a guy called Selassie who now plays rugby union for Australia. Yeah. And he used to just steamroll us. That's, but was, that's right. They're just physically better developed than what we are. Yeah. You know, they're genetics, basically. And this, again, this is not a breed thing. It's not a race thing. It's nothing. It's, it's just, just talking facts, about yeah. physical actual genetics. Yeah. So with these dogs, they're very excitable. They're very boisterous. They're very energetic. We all get that. And this is why I applaud people like Jay and there's a friend of mine who has kickstarted this movement for bully breeds and registration in Australia as well. There's there's lots of people out there who are doing great work with them. Mm-hmm. Yet, there's a lot of people out there who are letting these dogs down. There's an mm-hmm. enormous amount of people who are letting German Shepherds and Rottweilers down as well. So mm-hmm. again, it's not a breed thing. But when you look at pounds, when you look at welfare agencies, there's a glut of these dogs in here. Mm-hmm. So the things like Jay's SR test or GRC and those type of things, these are brilliant outlets for these type of dogs. People need to be more involved in these. Walking around with these dogs on big fucking harnesses and leads with people that are, are well-meaning but have two neurons clacking together inside <laughs> their, their head – You've got to reach out to these people and they've got to start getting a little real about this because they're causing the problem for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they really are. They're probably the loveliest people. They're probably great friends. They're probably great family members. And again, it's not a personal attack on these people. It is a social responsibility podcast. It's talking about getting through to these people and making it clear to them now is the time to start getting behind some of these sports and start. It's very accessible. It's very easy, but it will give your dog a much better life if you start teaching these dogs how to behave a little bit better. It's probably worth our while to really define social responsibility. So I think that it is. It's, it's really not ours or anyone else's place to tell anybody how they must live with their dog in their house. Now, some people love no, no, to- they can do what they want in their house. Yeah. So some people- very good at creating a monster and are happy to live with it. And you hear people talk about, oh, the dog doesn't like me doing this, doing that in the house. Now, I don't accept that, but some people are okay with it. And mm. that's their issue. That, But the, the problem becomes when you put that into other people, when you make other people- Once you walk outside rules. your front door and you enter public space, that's where the, that's that's where the responsibility comes from. That's right. So yeah. like I've been a person that's had a dangerous dog and you just take those, those precautions in your own house. And, and some people like- uh, in a different way to what I did, people are happy to live with a dog that they have to manage and, and all those sorts of things. However, yep. once a dog cracks your front door or is accessible by the public- It is your responsibility. Yeah. It's your social responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. We all make mistakes. I make mistakes. You make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes from time to time. The whole point of that is that you've got to learn from those mistakes. You can't mm-hmm. keep repeating that mistake and then say that you're a responsible person if you're only continuing on that rat wheel. Yeah. If you keep spinning that wheel the entire time, you're on your own negative feedback loop. Mm-hmm. You're just spinning that wheel and you're expecting people to put up with your incompetent behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't really cut it. And at the end of the day, the problem is it won't be your death sentence. It'll be the dog's. Yeah. So you won't be marched off to a pound where you're, the inevitability of being taken out of there or even euthanized is a very, very strong responsibility. It won't be you. It'll be the bloody dog because you haven't done your social responsibility. If you know that you've got a problem, 
I mean, after this podcast, I've got two dogs coming to see me that have got social issues. Mm -hmm. That's what I deal with these days. I deal with a lot of aggressive dogs. Mm -hmm. My staff do general obedience. I deal with aggressive problems. So my staff come in, they get trained and they come and watch what I'm doing. But that's what I do a lot of my, well, not a lot of, but I selectively choose dogs with social problems. But that's what people have got to do. These two people are being responsible. They're doing something about it. They rang me up. They're embarrassed about it, which a lot of people are. They're upset about it, which a lot of people are. They're very emotional about it, again, which a lot of people are, but they're doing something about it. Not hiding in the fucking back corner of the house going, I've got a problem with a dog, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Mm. I'll just chuck it in a pound when it gets too much of a problem and do nothing about it. Yeah. They're doing something about it. Yeah, this sounds a little ranty, but it's coming from <laughs> it's it's coming from the heart. This is a passionate thing. Like I said, it never intended to be a, an attack on any one breed. I'm seeing a trend in people with a lot of bull breeds where they're creating problems for themselves. And again, there's a very good saying that was taught to me a while ago. I may have mentioned it before, probably mention it well and truly into the future, like I do with a lot of these good quotes. Never let your ambitions get mixed up with your capabilities. <laughs> yeah. If people are getting dogs that are beyond them, I mean, seriously, you have to check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) How many more cliches can you fit into a sentence? I'm trying, dude. Um, But uh, like when I was watching this yesterday, I actually had like a a short conversation with the person just to say, well, I mean, even, even then after that event happened, the dog was jumping around in the car park. I mean, this is like a 10, 20 acre property. There's a heap of space, but she's then letting this dog run around at the full length of lead around all these expensive motorcycles and everything like that, which was pissing people off. Mm-hmm. So I just went to- So the dog was on lead? The dog was on lead. Yes, the dog was on lead. I will put that point. So the dog was on lead. However, it nearly wasn't off lead because it nearly pulled her straight over a barricade mm-hmm. onto the ground, onto her face, because she let the dog run- like people with flexi leads do. They let the dog go zipping out to the end of the line. I but know. did she have a flexi lead? She didn't. Yeah. Okay. So she let's did, not- She did not have a flexi lead. We've I, already I lost that. all the bully people. Let's <laughs> let's not lose the flexi people. Yeah, I'm not attacking people who like and use flexi leads well, because I know you do. Mm-hmm. I know you use them very well. You manage to educate yourself. See, we do long lead training with- NDTF guys. And the first thing we do before we actually put a dog on them is we drill the long lead without actually getting a dog. Mm -hmm. The reason being for that is because I said, if you can't manage this lead without a dog on it, there's no chance in hell that you'll do it when there's a dog running around unpredictable in its behavior on the end of the lead. So I'm not, again, it's not a breed attack. It's not a, a training equipment of choice attack. It is simply... It always comes down to individual. When you're talking about guns, it comes down to individuals. When you're talking about motor vehicles, it comes down to individuals. It doesn't matter if they're cars or bikes or dogs or whatever it is. It always comes down to people's behavior around it. Mm-hmm. It's not a mass movement. It's the way people behave. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, the same rant that I'm having now, like I said, you can put any breed there and individual in front of it. It can be a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things I would like to unpack in that. that to the proliferance of the bully breed, especially in that Amy Sadler's video, that dog's playing for life and we see all the shelter dogs. I think more than anything, that is a poverty issue. I think that a lot of the times the overbreeding of these dogs is because they're the dog that's available. It's not because they're, it could be anything. It's just that what they had to start with. Mm. And I've got no money, but I've got a dog. You've got no money, but you've got a dog. And we think, well, we could breed those dogs and maybe we could sell them to our friends for 50, 70, 
and maybe there'll be 10 and that's a thousand dollars. And if a thousand dollars is a huge amount of money to us, then we'll, of course we're going to do it. Yep. And then we don't sell them, <laughs> you know, like, or we don't have 10 friends that can come up with that money. So I think, especially in the United States, I think that the huge overbreeding of, especially like pit type dogs, but overbreeding of any dogs is a more of a poverty issue than mm. a problem of, of dogs per se. The, 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 the symptom is dogs, uh, but the actual underlying cause is, is poverty. And before anybody wants to make an issue of it, which they shouldn't do because, I mean, I've put so many caveats in place before we went any further, is that I actually own bull breeds. I've got French bulldogs, which, yeah. uh, I mean... They it, don't count. Well, they, they do. They're still part of the, the bull breed group, but they're not the same, same, but different. Yeah. Well, they don't fall into the category of the second thing I wanted to unpack about that is I think the reason I love pities and would love to have one, and they've sort of been my family dog. My sister has his They're pity. beautiful dogs. They're beautiful yeah. dogs. To accompany this episode, I'll put All up- All dogs are beautiful dogs. Yeah. I'll put up a picture of uh, my sister's dog. So my sister has his pity that is, I think, nearly 17, mm. right? But very well-bred, very well- God, I can't remember the lines, but really well-bred dog and has been a dream to live with her whole life. Has just been the kind of dog that anybody would be lucky to have in their life. Yeah. The issue though, and why when these things come around in circles and why pities end up with the name that they do is because they're so powerful. And that is the reason I like them. The mm. reason I like these pities is not so much about temperament or anything like that, is that the power in the body of the dog. Yeah, they look amazing. When you see a really ripped and cut pity. Yeah. I mean, there was one that I saw online a while ago that was pure black. I mean, cropped ears and everything like that. But um, it the dog looked like a panther. Yeah. You know, it was just an amazing looking dog. But not only that, I mean, the sleekness and the power of them. When you see these dogs, when they're they're milled up and they look great and they've, yeah. they're just rippling with muscle, they look like... Um, like gymnasts. Yeah. And right. so there's the, there's the physical power and then there's the mental intensity that often accompanies that. Mm. And so I think the reason why people sort of think about pities when they think about problem dogs is because of the consequence of a minor problem. So that lady with the dog that you saw getting dragged around by a dog that she can't control, if that's a, a, a four kilo Jack Russell – it just can't pull her around like that. Now she could have as little social responsibility as she did and as little training and, and have created the same, all the same problems with the dog, but the dog just, and have it on a harness and all the problems you said, but the dog just would not be physically capable of getting up to the trouble that the other dog could. Hey, I want these dogs out in public. I yeah, don't yeah. want them hidden. That's not going to do them any good. They need to be out. They need exposure. So they need training. They need training and they need the right tools on in the right place. Yeah. I mean, she needed some, sort of corrective device i mean there was or some motivation in the dog to like whether to engage she needed a she needed a, a reinforcer mm. now whether that was a, a like a negative reinforcer or a positive reinforcer she needed something some right? th- some form of motivation to keep the dog engaged on her and not everything else in the environment mm. i mean again when we referred to um emma murdoch's dog that little schnauzer mm-hmm. uh, cricket bug yeah yep. so when you watch her She's got razor-sharp focus, mm-hmm. like many of our dogs have. I mean, Remy plays with other people, but at the end of the day, he's basically like, okay, beat it. It's time to work. It's time yeah. to get back involved in it. Our dogs are like that, but it's because we're training through the behaviours. And Esther Schalk made a good point about that a while ago, is that 90% of these behavioural problems can be trained away. Yeah. Okay. And it's if you spend enough time on them, if you're working with them, I mean, look, some are deep-seated mental issues. 
the same with people. I mean, you can't just tell people to go to a gym when they've got severe PTSD and so forth and it's going to fix all their problems. Mm. Some of them it's not. Some of it you might get dopamine release, you might get you might start feeling good, you might start feeling better, you might hormone start, regulation. Yeah, hormone regulation. So you may start to start feeling better when you're actually getting out, socializing, interacting, working out, doing all those type of things. But with some of those dogs, I understand. I know I've been in this industry in this game long enough now to know that training is not going to solve all the problems. But I do know that it will solve a hell of a lot of them if people actually get out there and do them and they implement the right tools and right procedures when they're actually out there. Having a 10-foot lead and having dogs on harnesses and leads when they're clearly too excited around other dogs is not a good idea. And if your handling skills are lacking, do something about it, for God's sake. I mean, don't get out there and just wobble around in public and then tell people, oh, the dog gets excited when he sees other dogs and use that as your mantra. Mm. Not good enough. Really not good enough. The Lift dog, your game. The dog does get excited to see other dogs, but he needs to be excited to, to work for you. He yeah. needs to channel that same excitement. I think that's part of the issue is it's just a lack of education. And, and how do you get this stuff? Like there's a lot of dog trainers that don't get this. How How, how is the average public get, meant to understand? Like you've got, your, you've got your cute little dog that you bought from the guy down the street and you, you love it and you, you spoil it. And pretty soon you've built this big, strong, mentally strong, um, but no focus monster that you're taking out and around now there's a lot of dog trainers that we would speak to whose management of that would be i would say poor the problem is then getting the average person to be able to 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 motivate that dog or and have the dog actually find it rewarding right that's Mm. it's hard it's hard to do yeah it is well the reason we're in business is because if it was that easy there would be no need for us yeah well i guess for me that all comes back around to and I've been pushing it since I heard, like on the Dog Training Conversations podcast, when they first talked about doing the SR test and Jay explained what it was, I emailed them and the initial plan when they were coming out to Australia was just come out and do seminars. And then I said to Jay, mate, we've got to bring that to Australia. I want that here. Yep. We've got to hold events in that and spread that around the world because- It's a movement. Yeah, and it's not just a it's not just a sport, it's a movement, it's an actual thing that like you said a lot of people can get involved in this. They can have some ownership in this and and take something valuable away from it. That's right. And it speaks to exactly what we were just talking about then is how do you motivate that person, right? Mm-hmm. Like that does like cuz it's quite difficult dog training to be able to get that dog and we don't want to crush a dog, we don't want to just turn the dog into just totally flatten it out, which some people could certainly do with that dog. Yep. And that's why the, the obedient portion of the SR test comes in rather than the liberty portion. So you've got to be able to do the whole lot. And then once you get through all that, you're into the drive events with control. So yep. we didn't talk about it, but like there's the wall climb and the spring pole and the mill race and the weight pull. And unlike traditionally when you do those things, how it's just conduct that activity – in GRC, it's that activity mixed in with obedience portions. Like they've got to be able to out off the spring pole, down in front of the spring pole, re- recall back to you, etc. Yeah, healing up to the start line of the weight pull, mm. those kind of things. So things that uh, show that you have control of your dog, even around the driver thing. And so training for that would then totally flow over into the real world of like when you see the woman who's knocking over the motorbike. It's control in environments where the dog is stimulated. Yeah. Not but, just he's very excited about that. He's very excited, but he's totally under control. Yeah. He's yeah. very excited. I have control of him and I Wonderful. have control. Wonderful. Yeah. I have control because I've rehearsed it 10,000 times in a scenario that I controlled and that I created and I could control the outcome for the Sounds dog. Sounds like PSA. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> here's the thing. On the, the topic of the SR test, like, like I said, everybody at our club that did it passed with their dogs and not just their PSA dogs. The Except me because I wasn't there. Yeah, you weren't there. I was at a business meeting. Business. You're a businessman. I am. Um, so then at the IACP, I had to do my judging and it was a girl, Kristen Tedesco, and I I don't really know her. I'd spoken to her very briefly the day before. And I so this is how I knew she was going to pass, but way before she did. She didn't have a flat collar because the dog has to wear a flat collar and mm. be on a, a, a normal leash. Her dog was wearing a, a slip collar and I, she said didn't have one. So I went and borrowed one from someone in the crowd. And when I gave it to her, she looked at it and she went, oh, he's going to think he's going to he's doing bite work. And the moment she said that, I knew she was going to pass because I've never seen her train a dog. I didn't know anything really about her, but the, she knew that that was a contextual cue to her dog that he was going to be working. Yep. And I said, but you can use your obedience, don't forget. And you've got like 15 minutes to show the dog the thing. And she did. And then halfway through, I can just see by the attitude of the dog, I said, hey, you done any sports with this dog? Yeah, PSA, he's got a PDC. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, awesome. But so what it speaks to is this is a person who has trained the dog. Yep. This is a, a person who has actually put in work into training the dog. Mm. Funny and, about that. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And could show the dog contextual cues. And I think that is what a lot of the SR test is really designed to test. Yeah. Of course, I want my dog to be, if my dog likes to do the zoomies, you should be able to do the zoomies in, a, in an environment where I control and where I say, go ahead and yeah, do, do that. Yeah, do zoomies, but don't zoom me around other dogs and yeah. then stop and start a fight with them. Exactly. And, yeah. and don't do it through people and don't do it in a crowd. Yeah. But if you want to do it and the, con- the context is right, like yeah. you see with my dog, Valerie. Loves doing zoomies. Just loves to chase shit and go, she'll go call- mental. You can call her and she'll come back straight away. That's right. And yeah. I only allow her to do that when it's appropriate for it to happen. Yep. And See, it- there you go. Right what you just said then. That is the point that a lot of people just don't get. You and many other responsible people out there, they pick their moment. They understand this is a perfect place for my dog to go and do zoomies because it's not going to have an interaction where there's going to be a social mishap. You take your dog to a plate like you come out here. You Mm -hmm. let your dogs out of the back of the car when there's nobody out there and you take your dogs down the back of the oval and let them bolt around all over the place. Yeah. And it's a great outlet for the dogs. The dogs love it. They enjoy being here. You enjoy the freedom that they've got. And I know that when you're practicing your skills with your dogs, you go and find an empty park somewhere Mm -hmm. and you do the same thing. This is what these other people, these fucking social peanuts aren't doing, (laughs) is that they're taking their dogs into places that are heavily populated where the chance of running into another dog is like inevitable and they still do it. That's where my rant is directed at. Like I know I'm sounding ranty because I kind of am. I was upset with what I saw yesterday because it's one in thousands of things that I've seen over the years, which is highly preventable. It's highly preventable. And look, I know that there are so many stupid things that happen in the world that are highly preventable. I mean, for God's sake, people can't even look after their own kids or themselves properly, let alone a bloody dog. But this is, I mean, if we've got this soapbox to stand on or the ability, not so much a soapbox, but if we've got the ability as a community to better educate these people, and this is not a monetary thing. I don't charge people to go up and tell them how to better control their dogs. I'm quite happy to give that information away. I'm quite happy to sit there with somebody for 15 minutes or or however long it takes and say, do you understand, you know, like, can I help change your mind or your life of your dog or something like that? This is a responsibility that we all have because if we don't do these things, we have to look at it from monetary gain all the time. 
then we're not doing a good service for our own community. We're causing problems. Mm. So we really need to get on board with this type of thing and guide and direct these people to do things a little bit better. Yeah. So, you know, how do we do that? I, I think that by a lot of trainers establishing within their training groups. Uh, SR test is a yeah. good start. Well, the GRC is a really good start. Yeah, that's right. You know, so, get and behind train towards people. that. Encourage I'm, people to train towards yeah. it. See, this is not my sport. This is not your sport. No. I mean, it's Jay's sport, yeah. but- because of the- And Jazz is going to be pushing it in Australia. Jazz is going, going to be, be pushing it. You're going to be pushing it. Um, I'm going to be pushing it. I'm going to be pushing it because I believe in it. And I believe that it's very easy and accessible by anybody with any breed of dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody can do it. That's the great thing about it. Some some of the dogs won't be able to do the weight pull and they won't be able to- I'm talking about the SR side of it. Yeah. Okay. The social responsibility. I'm talking about that. But, you know, some of the other weight pull and the- um, Well, well, the, slow your roll. I watched a video of a Chihuahua doing weight pull the other day. So, it's relevant to the size of the dog, huh? Yeah. What was it weight pulling? Like a matchbox with a couple of little creaky wheels on uh, it? The guy, Casey, who was at the ICP, uh, he said that his little <laughs> yeah. Chihuahua could pull like 300 pounds. Wow. But on wheels, like on a wheeled cart, right? Like, yeah. So, it's all re- like, and it's, um, I can't, uh, look, I don't, I'm not a weight pull expert, but I'm sure that there's ratios involved, like power to weight is is part of what they're measuring, right? So, see that girl in the- that was doing the paper plate race with that little Dachshund that did that, did yeah, that yeah. crazy little flip. I'd love yeah, to yeah. see that little dog doing it. Yeah. Well, so yeah, there's all kinds of, if you if you look it up, there's all kinds of tiny little dogs doing weight pull because it's not like they need to pull a giant It's anything. size to weight ratio. Yeah. So yeah. It's like jumps, like when dogs are doing jumps in competitions. Yes. Yeah. dog to height. So yeah, look, I'm not a weight pull expert. I'll have to learn it as that becomes a thing in Australia. But uh, hey, if you can do it, you can do it. That's, yeah, that's the point. If exactly. you can do it, you can do it. Exactly. And yeah. so even like weight pull is a good sport for even for a dog that doesn't have a lot of like prey drive. Say like the the spring pole and the wall climb relies on some prey drive to actually get those things. But for a dog that isn't into that, weight pull is really relationship based because it's mm. a recall. It's a it's a heavily restrained recall. You're calling the dog towards you. They're trying to get to you, and you're putting resistance into that. So yep. it's it's a good one for dogs that are irregular. You know what I mean? Mm. Don't get angry at me, Chihuahua owners, that I just called your dogs irregular. (laughs) Well, I guess there are some misconceptions about there. Like, I mean, still there are still misconceptions these days about people that feed raw meat to their dogs that it's going to blood them and turn them savage and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there are misconceptions about what dogs can and can't do. That's an education thing as well. You know, like when we're talking about people learning about their dogs and learning about what dogs can and can't do, this is part of the education process which helps people understand their dog a little bit better mm-hmm. yeah but that, look there, i mean there's no governance in actual being a professional trainer and there's no governance in owning a dog yeah i mean right. I, look to be honest i i don't want all our freedoms taken yeah away i was from gonna us. say and i hope there never is I, I i do too what i do what i do hope is that there are better guidelines and better structures in place mm-hmm. i'd like to see a a and I'd maintain this, I'd like to see a body of professionals, even again, getting back to the IACP or something like that, where there are there are good structures in place, good standards and guidelines and policies and procedures on better ownership, on, mm-hmm. on guiding people to obedience, even council funded projects where if people are too poor, if they can't afford going to training, that there are some sort of, you know, like people who pay their cat and dog registrations and so forth, it goes back into better education, not just sending people out material they'll never read, but in, you know, like in 
council-run parks or something like that where they can come down and at least learn some basics, some basic guidelines, some basic um, structure on how to raise and train their dogs better. Yeah. they have. So in my area, there's the Leichhardt Dog Training Club, which I've been kicked out of twice. Yep. Um, you and, and your clubs. <laughs> well, what they are, and it's very good. I'm actually really supportive of them. They, they, they have – it costs you two bucks. They yep. have four levels and they have – they're volunteer instructors, volunteer everything. You have to have gone through their program and do it. Yep. The only problem they have down there is that their governance – they're force-free. And if they get a dog that doesn't work, they, they can't help it and they, they move them on. Mm. So they, they have a limited bandwidth of, of how much they can help people. Now, I'm, I'm always very careful to – because I, I support them. I think they do a great job at what they do. But then there needs to be when they say to someone, hey, this is too much. Because it's it's a group dog training class, which is not, as you and I know, that is not the way to train dogs. It, it's better than nothing. Mm. But a big group class where everyone's walking lines is is way better than nothing. But it's not as good as an individual it's, lesson. It's a, it's a social thing. Yeah. It's a socialization class. So. As I always say to people, and when I was down there, I would say to people, and, and what I say to people in classes is, this is a lesson for you. This is actually a negative impact for your dog. What we're doing here for 40 minutes is going to set your dog back. This is not good for the dog. Mm. We're, the reason we're doing this is because you can pay attention for 40 minutes and now you have to do all these training types of dogs. Week. It's very good for some dogs. Yeah, but as I was saying to the people there, like you have to digest this and implement it through the week. But yep. what I wish there if anyone from Blackheart Dog Training Club is listening or gets back to them, I'm very supportive of them. I send people there. I think it's an awesome idea for two bucks to get an hour of what well, they do, two sessions a, a day. Mm. That's excellent. But the problem is the dogs that- Just don't send them into oblivion. Don't fit into their mold. Yeah. They've got to go to something else. They've yeah. got to, they've got, there's got to be an overflow for the dogs that aren't ready for that. This is a thing where, and it's not Leichhardt Club, but in general I'm talking about, it's just clubs or philosophies where if the dog won't fit their mold- they basically just send them into the ether somewhere. Mm. You know, they just say, well, we can't help you and good luck. Yeah. And it's a handshake. It's basically like pushing a child out the front door with a suitcase full of clothes and a and hundred bucks in their pocket and saying, well, good luck in the world. Mm. Well, that's basically a recipe for disaster. Yep. If that child turns out okay after that process, well, yeah, good luck. Mm. And that's what happens to a lot of dogs is that they've got no direction. They've got no clear guidelines on where to go. What they should say is, this is not our system. What you need is somebody else. But then for them, it becomes a political thing. Mm. You know, when I say them, I'm not targeting one group of people. I'm saying the general consensus is that they then say, all right, well, if I send you somewhere else, then also that goes against our philosophy and our mindset on how to train a dog. Mm. So then they're stuck on that feedback loop themselves. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So developing clubs, doing GRC around Australia would be the way to, to avoid that. And if you're a professional trainer, you really should be looking at how do I channel my clients into this? When we did the test in Melbourne, the canine company had a bunch of their clients turn up and most of them pass, Yep, which is testament to what they're doing. Like their model is- because they do good work. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But their model is creating socially responsible dogs. Yeah. Like it, it, you would expect that Brent would pass. Of course, he's he's- professional dog trainer, very good one. But then when client after client after client comes out and goes through this test and they're not professional dog trainers, they're just people that train with them, then for me, and I know for Jay as well, it proved the model. Yep. It was like, okay, this is people who are training towards something. They're training their dogs for action yep. and for action and inaction. And the proof is there. They pass the test. Mm. So to be honest, I couldn't give a two shits if your dog can sit, 
stand, drop, or whatever. I mean, I think it's great, and I like the fact that they do do it. What I do give a shit about is that your dog is controllable in a public space mm-hmm. if you're taking your dog outside the realm of your front garden. Yeah. So if you're taking the dog off your property and you're, you want to walk your dog around the street, that is wonderful. I support that 100% but have that dog under control. You know, be an ambassador of your dog and the breed of dog that you've got and the people that you're representing because otherwise what you do is, we mentioned this on the show a while ago, is when the media go looking for that ugly behaved person, you're the person they'll find if your dog is not under effective control. They will find you, they'll find images of you, they'll find footages of your dog doing something and they will portray it in the ugliest way on social media, on the network, in print, in whatever way they can. And that is not the ambassadorial role that we're looking for. What we're looking for is, look, this is this is not largely preventable because there's always going to be that type of person. But if we can reduce the footprint of it, if we can reach out to more people, if we can start setting more of these things up around the world, around the country, around our local area, this is going to be a fantastic movement for everybody. Yeah, 100%. It's one of the reasons why we got behind and started doing this show is to talk to people more about things that you can actively get involved in. Look, I've been training dogs for a long time now, as we've discussed and everyone knows. One of the things that people have said to me, which I find a massive anomaly, is I don't have time to train the dog. Mm. Well, if you've got time to sit down on your couch, you can train a dog where you're sitting at your couch. You can train a dog where you're sitting on the toilet if you're that, you know. I mean, if, if you do a 15-minute poo, you can train your dog during that 15 minutes. You can have the dog in lead in front of you and you can do some simple behaviours. The <laughs> 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 I know that got silly for a second there. But the, the, the fact is you can train a dog. Uh, before you go on. Yeah. I was actually just thinking- I'm obsessed with dog training. That's don't tell me you've trained a dog where you've been doing a poo. No, I was just thinking, have I ever? No, I don't think. I, I, that's probably one of the few places I've never trained a dog while I'm doing a poo. That's that's never to happen. In a shower, I've done it. I've yep. Have for sure, because I used to just bring the dog in the shower to wash them. So is that challenge accepted? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be hard. It's not hard. No. It'd be easy, as you're saying. Hmm. Well. I mean, you're sitting down, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm taking care of business. <laughs> yep. Carry on, as you were. At the end of the day, the message I'm trying to say is that when we're out in public, we can all see that certain dog on that certain stereotypical type of person who is causing problems. And they need probably a little bit more guidance than the average person does. Mm -hmm. The average person is actually quite a responsible person. The average, and I mean, I'm not trying to make this about gun ownership or anything like that. But if you look at all the people around the world who own guns, who never cause a problem, and I mean, they're the vast majority of people, they never cause a problem, they lock them up, they use them responsibly, they don't do anything wrong, and there'll be like a percentage, like one or 2% of people who cause a problem. And then all of a sudden, everybody is typecast into, well, nobody should have them because Mm. one of these people might flip out one day and do something crazy. Well, I just don't think that's good enough. I don't think that's good enough. And that happens in in dog work as well because, I mean, I've seen plenty of breed bans imposed and suggested over periods of time. I mean, I am an avid Roddy and Shepherd lover, avid Roddy and Shepherd lover, love them. The amount of times I've seen over the years that there's questionability of should we have these dogs? Yes, we fucking should. We should be allowed to own certain types of dogs. 
the amount of people that I know that have been injured and hurt on horses before. I mean, Jazz is one of those people. She has a back mm. injury from a horse accident. I know a staggering – Christopher Reeves was put in a wheelchair and eventually died from an oh, accident okay. on horses. But this is not an attack on fucking horses. We should be allowed to ride horses. Kids should be allowed to enjoy the responsibility and the ownership of, of having a pony or a horse or something like that because, I mean, I know people love these and there's a vast majority of responsible people. At the end of the day, what I'm quoting or what I'm suggesting is social responsibility. Get off your ass. Stop making a problem. Stop being lazy. Stop cutting the excuses. Get out there and do something. That's cool. I agree with you. Cool. But Good. <laughs> if they're listening to this, they're not that person. But they can pass the mantle. Yeah. Okay. So when the, when they see the, the problem, rather than being rather than being silent, they can offer some help. They can pass some suggestion along to people. They yeah. can say, you know, look, I know a trainer. I know somebody, or I am a trainer. Can I help you? There's been times before, and I know you have, and I know many people, many good people out there who have been benevolent in their actions have helped people. There's hundreds of people that I've helped and never told a soul about. You know, I don't do it for the social recognition. I don't do it to get on YouTube and promote myself as somebody that gives away my time. Fuck that. I do it because I believe in a greater good. You believe in a greater good. And there's people that listen to this show that believe in a greater good. So I think- People who are listening to this show, it's industry show. They're really either dog trainers or, not, if not professional dog trainers, then they're enthusiasts at the least. Mm. Something I know for sure is people don't like to be told, stop your dog doing that. And they don't like, they don't like to be, the tone of, say, let's use your example of this one with a dog running around the motorbikes. Let's, let's put you into this rage. Right? <laughs> what people don't like to hear is, hey, you're, you and your dog are problem dog and people. You need to stop. The best way I can think of to approach that, and this is what I usually use when when I can see that people, like clients of mine, that their motivation is waning, I tell them that what their dog will be good at. So you can imagine that the conversation between you and this this person that you encounter, and this is really what I think my advice from all of this for the people who would be listening, because they're, they're going to be able to identify this. They're not the people that have this. They're the person that needs to intervene. You say, hey- that's such a cool dog. Look at all, look how much, look how powerful he's dragging you around. You know what he would be good at? Weight pull. Yep. Or look at that dog. Like, look at the way he's hanging off of my leg. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what he would be awesome at? Mm. Wall climb. Look how agile he is. Look at him jumping around. And then in order to do that, they're going to have to make the dog socially responsible. But at the time to motivate them, you don't need to say, hey, get your fucking dog under control. Right? Mm. Like you might have to say that if you need to, but- the best way if you're going to intervene in someone's behavior is to motivate them into doing something that will have an effect on what you want yeah, rather I agree. than just I going, agree. hey, get your fucking dog under control. Well, it's like trying to tell people, hey, you're overweight. You've got to start going on a diet and stuff like that. I mean, that usually works in the opposite. Mm. You know what you do? You go, opposite hey, reflex. you know what's delicious? Pie. Salad. <laughs> you should eat salad. Mm. Um But yeah, so that's my kind of take on it, I think. And look, we've been around the circle, but I think- Really what we're getting at is that the best way for trainers and industry people to motivate people to do that is the GRC and the SR test. And Jay has put in – it'll be good. We should have him back on to talk about this again because yeah. very sadly, um, good for GRC and where Jay wants to take it, but they're stopping doing the Dog Training Conversations podcast. Um, oh, yeah. That's actually a good point. I, yeah. I, I did want to make a point of that and you've brought it up. Yeah. Is uh, a shout out to – Jay Jack and Chad Macken, who yeah. announced on their show last week that they are winding up dog training conversations yeah. as a team because 
Jay is effectively like his BJJ school is going gangbusters and the GRC is something that he wants to put more time into and he's just finding that that's going to become extremely difficult and I think that he didn't want to pollute dog training conversations just with talk about GRC all the time, which is something that's become an extreme passion for him. Yeah. So I'm happy for both of them. You know, I'm a huge fan of their shows. Someone mm. tried to say one. Someone tried, like, there's been a few people that try and say with their competing shows, like, I don't know if you've noticed, they're both free shows that you can listen to whenever you want. So there's Which no such, between us and them. Oh, no. There's no not. such thing as competition in no, podcasts, no, no. I don't think, because. I mean, they've been no on the, paying our, for our show and we've been yeah, on exactly. their show. Great so friends. so was, we're, we're great friends. We hooked up, um, we, we spent time with each other. They were in the hot seat conversation. They were yeah, in, the, exactly. in the room with us when we were chatting. They're always welcome. They've got great advice. They're great people. Got a lot of time for each of them, and yeah, yeah it's a sad thing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. whatever direction they go in, they'll they'll do awesome. But I know that you know Jay is. This is where he's sort of leaning towards, and so it's exciting for the sport. I know that it really has potential to get going and be internationally recognised as a standard that people should work towards. Mm. And so I'm hoping that we can help out in doing that. I just want to make it clear that, yes, I did want to have a plug for GRC and the SR, and I did want to mention about you and Jazz. The context of this show wasn't directly around that. It was about just observing that behaviour that yeah. I saw. And I, but that's the answer. But it is the answer. There's no point in telling people about the problem. You've got to tell people about the solution. That's right. And that's one thing that we want to try and work with our community and the community that people have an impact on is we don't want to just say to people, hey, you're a problem. We want to say, here's a solution to what you've got going on rather than just attacking them. A lot of people get attacked all the time. I've been attacked for the tools that I've been using on dogs. I've been attacked How for- How dare you, sir? I've, well, I mean, people walked across, they've seen me walking with Rottweilers down the road and walked across the road yelling obscenities about having dogs that kill children and stuff like that. I mean, ridiculous comments, mm -hmm. totally uneducated, spur of the moment, media-driven backlash comments that had no place in saying. It was very rude and very insulting, but- you know, I mean, that's what happens when people create problems in our community like that. Yeah. I think it's for reasons like that that my Malinois <laughs> is usually referred to as a some kind of Kelpie cross. <laughs> so, Which is probably a good thing. Yeah, lots of people do it. He's, like when people say, oh, my God, look at that. What, what kind of dog is he? I don't, I don't know. Some kind of Kelpie cross mm. stops the, that breed becoming yep. a problem breed. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right, cool. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, I've got to wrap it up because I've actually got some dangerous dog. Well, not to, I should rephrase that. <laughs> <laughs> some socially not responsible dogs to make responsible. Yeah, I've got to work with some people who've got some issues. They've indicated they've got some problems and they want to resolve them. Which is good. Which is great. And I'm so pleased that they're actually doing something about it rather than hiding them away. Awesome. All right. Well, that's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, like, rate, share, subscribe through whatever subscription service you download us from. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is through Patreon now. So mm. if you can go to uh, patreon.com, type into the search bar, the Canine Paradigm there. And if you want to help us out, you can do that by donating as much or as little as you care to. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do that via Facebook. We are The Canine Paradigm on Facebook. And we've talked a few things. We'll probably have some reference stuff up for this episode. So if, if you're listening and you think, oh, what are they talking about? And we've talked about adding something, it'll be on Facebook there in an album relating to this, this episode. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.